Welcome to the Culture of Safety. What's up, Joe? How are you doing? I'm doing all right, Matt. How about yourself? I'm good, man. So today we're going to ter- uh, talk about non-traditional ergonomics. Yeah, I think today's uh, topic is super interesting, and uh, we have a guest in here with us, right? Yes, yes, we do. We have Ryan Beckwith. He's the owner of A3. Hey, Ryan, introduce yourself, sir. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm anytime. Excited. Ryan, you own A3. Can you give us a little rundown about like what A3 is, what you yeah. do there? Yeah, A3 is a... Uh, it's a sports performance facility where we do a little bit of everything. So we do a little bit of fitness, a little bit of performance, a little bit of uh, kids fitness to get them to understand how to work out, how to move properly. So more functional from anything else. Um, you know, the more functional you are, the better you move, the stronger you can be, the better you perform. Mm, yeah. Plain makes and sense. simple. That makes sense. Yeah. And what about, uh, I mean, have you owned A3 forever? Kind of what, what did you do? Yeah. So oh, I've kind of been around. I, uh, I was a two sport athlete in college, uh, football and track, and then did the professional track thing for a while. Coached. I was a strength and conditioning coach first in my career. So I was a strength and conditioning coach at University of Georgia, UCLA. I also mixed in with that. I did sports marketing and fundraising. Um, and then at one point in my career, I was an athletic director here at Bakersfield College. Oh, wow. And then started A3 in 2013. That's the short version. Busy man. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I'd, I'd go UCLA. So some, yeah. yeah, some people might be wondering like, so you're doing all this sports stuff, but yeah. why do we bring you into the safety podcast? So how did you transition to having this extra part of your business where you talk about workers and stuff like that? And the easiest way to describe it is, you know, I'm sitting there in my facility and we're doing all this, all this movement stuff. Right. And everybody I think can fairly say they understand or have seen sports science. Yeah. Right. You've been on ESPN and you watch Odell Beckham go through here and they show all these different angles and so on and so forth. And the idea basically was, you know, we have all this information from neuroscience to basic kinesiology that tells us how to move better. If I hurt my ankle, I can get back on the field within a day or two. You know, all these things that exist, but it doesn't exist in the normal world. Just highly paid professional athletes. Right. So if if. XYZ player doesn't make the Super Bowl or the World Series, they still made $20 million. Right. But if one of us gets hurt and we can't go to work, we don't get paid. Right. Right. And if we're out too long, then we might lose our job. And that's not cool for the employee. It's not cool for the employer because no one wants to have to let someone go. Right. So you have all these issues going on and it's going, well, why can't we take all this information, all this high level training and put it into the normal person so that not only do they work better and perform better at work, but they have better lives when they get home. Because ultimately we spend all our energy at work and we're tired from our job and we get home, we got families to take care of and we still want to be present when we're at home. But if my back hurts or my knee hurts or I'm just exhausted because I spent all this caloric energy from my brain at work because I'm not feeling all that great, I'm not good at home. That makes a ton of sense. And I think Matt and I both agree with that. I'm sure a lot of people agree with that. That's why we're here. I mean, honestly, as safety guys, we kind of share the same vision is we want people to have a good work life, but we also want them to have a good home life. Home like we life want them to be safe at work so mm-hmm. that when they go home, they can spend the time with their families and they're not hurt or they're not, right. they, they can pick up their kid because their back's not thrown right. out. Absolutely. So we kind of share like a similar vision. So yeah. it makes sense that you like bring that. that over here. Yeah. yeah. But uh, one thing that I think really sets you apart is you're not. So when we think of ergonomics, normally we think of like bend your knees, don't arch your back too much or <laughs> don't lift with your or back. get a different yeah. chair or, or use a stand-up computer right. or something like that. Right. But that's not what we're talking about. In this no, and, no. And that's, you know, that's kind of what I equate to. If you're looking at a coach, run faster coach is what I like to call them. It's run like, faster. just run faster, right? <laughs> Squat deeper, <laughs> but works. there's no explanation, right? There's no 
movement prep before that happens. And so we get into this, you know, especially in the safety industry, we get into dynamic stretching and we get into jumping jacks and so on and so forth. And while all of that is good stuff, there's no doubt that just moving is good. We got to remember that, you know, the older we get, the longer we're in the workforce, the less we've probably done active movement stuff where we do compound movements such as squatting and deadlifting and all the things that we did when we were athletes in high school or in college. Right. And so the, you know, the further we get down the line into our late 20s, 30s, 40s, that stuff's not happening anymore. So then we're inflexible. And so we go back and we go, oh, man, I wish I was as flexible as I was when I was in high school. Why were you flexible in high school? Because you moved all the time, Mm -hmm. right? You were squatting, you were jumping, you were landing, you were goofing around, having a good time. You didn't have a whole lot of responsibility. So you had time on your hands to do stuff that was fun. Well, you're older now and you're supporting yourself and your family and everything else. So those things kind of go away and then we lose flexibility. We lose joint range of motion, muscle range of motion. The thing that's really important to remember is your muscles will only work as well as the joints they're connected to. Amen to that. Your joints will only work as well as the muscles they're connected to. So there's, there's a double play there and we can't just stretch. That's not going to be good enough. And then you got to think about all the regulations that are put on us, right? From our boots to our helmets to, uh, you know, we have all these obstacles to take away from our spatial awareness. Yeah. And we can't take those things off. So how do we work around those things? We have to heighten the spatial awareness. And a lot of that comes from ground up. And we've got to learn how to remove the joints. And the brain works as a GPS, right? And when we were 16, 17, eight years, 18 years old and we were invincible and we could do whatever the heck we wanted and jump off of a building into a pool and whatever, whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. right? And do all the stupid things that you're <laughs> right. paying for now in your 30s. Right. So that's my point is, you know, we were able to do those things because that, that map, that route, it was open. Well, we haven't used that route in 10 to 15 years. So that route is no longer on the map. So now we have a limited map and where we go, we go point A to point B. Now we don't go all the way to Z anymore. And so now it's like, you're, you want to be more flexible, but when's the last time you practiced actually moving around and going into complex movements where your ankle, your knee and your hip are all moving together. So I can come in here and tell you guys and show you guys how to squat better, but that doesn't help you. That doesn't show you anything. You just look at it and go, yeah, that's cool. I used to be able to do that. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> and then you walk away from it, right? Right. That doesn't do anything. So what do we have to do? Well, we have to make sure that your ankles, your knees, and your hips are mobile enough to be rhythmic. And so it's more of a movement prep thing than it is just showing you how to be a mover. Right. That makes perfect sense. So what he's trying to say is it's no longer, you know, we're not just trying to exercise just because we know, you know, we're trying to prevent MSDs. You're trying to have them work with the body rather than against it. And like, I, I think that's the most important part that he's, he's talking about is the PPE. I think that's something that we, we as professionals, sometimes we, we forget that. Yeah. If I were to do this job at home, I'd be tennis, shirt, uh, tennis shoes, shirt, you know, shorts. I'm not wearing, you know, three pound, three pounds of PPE, hard hat glasses, mm-hmm. FR clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing that I've noticed, especially, you know, living here in Bakersfield is I love the summers. I go to work and I'm wearing long sleeve shirts all day and it's hot and I'm sweaty on a 105 degree weather day and I'm in shorts and a t-shirt, man, I feel great. So I think, I think that's, that's important. I, I'm really interested in learning a lot more. That's, that's really good points. Yeah. Honestly, I remember the first time uh, you came out and visited my site, you talked about the, like the detriment of wearing boots all day, like mm-hmm. these heavy steel toe boots that aren't really designed for like good movement. And you started breaking that down for me. And I was like, man, I, even as a safety professional, I never really thought about, how big of an effect your footwear could have on the rest of your body, your movements and 
repetitive motion injuries and all that stuff, just mm-hmm. starting from something as simple as that. And like I said, unfortunately, we're tied down a lot of times by regulation yeah. or custom requirements or whatever that might be. Right. However, it sounds like there might be some ways that we can still work around it, work around it yeah. or find ways for our body to move right in a more right. efficient or whatever. I'm yeah, not absolutely. Explaining like you. No, you're right. No, it's 100 percent right. And you got to think about we have a ton of nerve endings on the bottom of our feet, 200,000 to be exact. So when you start talking about what's going on with the body, well, how does the brain understand where we are in space? Well, what's touching the ground? Your feet are. Right. Yeah. So if I'm wearing a pair of boots that's an inch thick or more and they're stiff because they're supposed to protect me if I step on something or whatever, which makes perfect sense. But at the same time, I lose flexibility in my foot. So just imagine for everybody's listening, imagine taking your hands, push them together like you got mittens on. Now imagine putting a half inch pad on your hand or grab a coaster or your phone or something and put it on your hand and then go touch somebody. Yeah. How much force are you going to have to put before you can actually feel what you're doing? Now, look at your feet. It's the same thing, right? So if I were to think, if I create two to three times my body weight, so simple math here. So if I weigh 200 pounds Mm -hmm. and I'm creating, we'll say two times, that makes it easier. If I create two times my body weight every step, that's how much much weight? 400. 400. Now, let's say I take 10,000 steps a day. He's so proud of that. What's 400 times 10,000? A lot Joe, of zi- go ahead. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of zeros. It's going to be 400,000? I think it's almost 4 million. 4 million? 4 mil. I didn't do that, right? So uh, think um, about... Excuse me, sir. One more. <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to interject this uh, engineer. Sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, it's all engineer. good. So think about 4 <laughs> million pounds of pressure have entered your body in one day. It's a lot. It's a good way to think about it. I oh, mean, right. crazy way to think about it. But. Yeah. So now thinking about that, what if I don't move all that efficient? Are my knees going to hurt? Probably. Yeah. Is my back going to hurt? Probably. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, you start thinking about these things. My ankles are immobile because I haven't done anything to mobilize my ankle because most of us got told as high school athletes, tape your ankles, make sure they're stiff and they're solid and all that. And now you're older and you're wearing boots and your ankles don't move. Yeah, they don't move very often in those boots. Yeah. Right. So all the nerves that are traveling through all of a sudden aren't moving all that well. They're stagnant. They're like a 90 degree angle and your brain goes... You know, if you don't use it, you lose it, right? So my brain's going, hmm, well, I guess you don't need the mobility down there. And I guess you don't really need me to give you a whole lot of information because you got this other thing going that you've been doing for the last five years, 10 years, 20 years in some people's case, right? So now all of a sudden, where does that force go? What's the next major joint? The knee. Okay, what after that? What's the next major joint? You got the pelvis, right? So where are you going to feel that pain? A lot of times we're when we walk, our lower abs aren't engaged because we've never learned to do that. So we get a compression in the lumbar spine. So now all those vertebrae are super tight in there and the nerves that are traveling through there, that's like the highest traffic region of the body as far as nerve communication because you got everything crossing over right there. So now all of a sudden your brain's going, okay, dude, um, your feet and your ankles, I, I don't really know what's going on down there. I told you that I wanted you to do something. So I made your knee hurt and you didn't do anything about it. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to move on up and I'm going to make your back hurt so that, you know, you so, really can't do anything. So can you come, uh, can you, come, uh, I need to schedule you. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I, I knew, I knew that that's one of the reasons why my knees hurt some days, mm-hmm. but 
I mean, God, you just, you unfold it so beautifully. I'm like, man, oh, that's, that was way more than I ever even knew. I knew like, well, I'm, I'm sure my knees hurt because I'm not wearing the proper footwear. Cause you know, when I, when I, I, when I wrestled, yeah. I had did a lot of damage to my knees. Yeah. And so I usually wear, you know, athletic shoes yeah. to give me that comfort and stuff like that. And I wear a boot. I could tell that the, the profile that my feet are in mm-hmm. are completely different. I know that, that, that makes a huge effect on me after walking, yeah. you know, three, four or five miles a day. Yeah, I go visit my my different my different crews. Well, one thing I like to tell people, a lot of the athletes, I'll say, okay, well, think of your feet and your hands and make them similar. Just imagine that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have a fifty pound bag on the ground. Are you going to pick it up with your pinky? Or are you going to pick it up with your thumb and your index finger? Right. Answers: yeah, index finger, finger and thumb. Well, right. Not my pinky. My pinky's broken. So there you go. <laughs> so now take that and put it into your feet. I make contact with the ground, mm-hmm. and I'm creating about four hundred pounds of pressure. And if I strike on the heel to the outside wall of my foot, well, what has to happen in order for me to walk forward? Well, I've got to rotate my foot to the yeah. middle, to the inside, and then push forward. So now what's happening to my knee? It's articulating incorrectly. Right? So I'm walking forward and my knee is actually pointed, you know, 10 to 15 degrees out in the, you know, to the right. See, my right knee is pointed out to the right. And then I've got to move that knee to the center. And a lot of times, you know, the brain, again, always wants you to be centered, right? The equilibrium, vestibular system, all that. Okay. So if I want to be centered, but I just created force, well, now my knee goes from outside to inside. So now all those tendons, all those nerves, all that musculature, all that stuff that's going, all the ligaments, they're getting overstretched. And they're getting extended in ways that don't really need to happen. It's inefficient. And then, over and then we wonder why ACLs and meniscus and yeah, all these say, things. Over the are, course of 10, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Or less, have, right? Or less. Yeah. You could have gotten out of your truck and put your foot the wrong way and went bang. I mean, yeah, I definitely could, this guy because I'm, I'm, I'm definitely headed towards a <laughs> knee surgery here in about 15 years. Yeah, and a lot of it could just be simple gait issues. Like yeah, just changing the gait. way you walk. I walk like like a... <laughs> like a Sasquatch. I like to I've see been told. Sometimes you go out to the field and you're kind of looking at guys' boots because you're checking to make sure that you know mm-hmm. they're in compliance. Yeah. But you'll see the bottoms or you'll see how their boots are like shaved. It looks like they're like they've been graded on yes. one side. I have yep. because of the seen lots, because of, people, lots of people. They'll yeah. sit on the outside and I'm like, yeah. that's mm-hmm. bad for your feet. And I'm like, I look at my shoes, I'm like, I like mine are any better, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, that's a pretty tell telltale sign, right? That that's yep. That's a big issue for them. Right. And then you got to think, you know, when we talk about force production, we got to back up a little bit. So just like showing you how to squat, that's like talking about force production. But in order to produce force, I've got to be able to absorb force. So in order to be able to absorb force, I got to do movement prep, right? Relatively kind of the same idea. Okay. And so when I walk, I want to make sure that I'm absorbing force properly. If I'm absorbing force properly, I'm going to be more efficient when I walk. So now you got to think, you know, if we got up and walked around right here, if I took a 10 foot space, right, let's say I went from this side to that side and it took me five steps to do it. And I was walking on the heel to the outside wall of my foot. What's going to happen? Well, I'm going to I'm going to walk kind of in a side to side motion. It's going to be minor and there's going to be I'm talking about millimeters of difference in the knee. Like most people probably wouldn't notice it. Mm -hmm. But when you get the lower abs to be engaged and we connect the lower body to the upper body. And then we allow the upper body, I, I, I tell athletes, from the ribs up, it's along for the ride, man. It's part of the rhythm. You're not going to create force from the upper body. All it's going to do is throw you off. The power comes from the ribs down. And that's where we need to focus. So if I can get my lower abs engaged and get my pelvis into a good position, 
So if you were, you know, if you're listening again, I'm sorry for all these imaginary things, but imaginative things, but think of your femur bone, your thigh bone going into your pelvis and it's at an angle. So now think of a pogo stick that we all had when we were kids and jam a pogo stick into the ground at a 15 degree angle. Well, where's it going to go? Wherever the head of it was facing, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to go back. So if I'm constantly walking and I'm creating that movement every single time, then that force is going in the wrong direction and I'm going to go side to side. So now let's walk over again. So it took me five steps. If I engage my abs, use the adductors, which are essentially like what most people call inner thigh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you think about those muscles and you engage those so that your toe, your knee and your hip all stay in one single file line, like you're drawing, taking a picture of yourself and drawing an arrow straight vertical, the toe, the knee and the hip should be in line together. So if my lower abs are engaged and those adductors are engaged so that my knees are straight, now I can use my glutes to walk which is going to allow me to push, right? I'll take four steps, maybe three and a half steps. So now go back to that idea of I took 10,000 steps today because you walked five miles, right? Right. Okay. So you took 10,000 steps, you covered five miles. What if you took 9,000 steps to cover five miles? How much more energy would you have? Uh, Way more energy. Boom. That makes a ton of sense. So by just by just by changing your posture mm-hmm. and by align, like you said, aligning aligning our body properly, yep. we can save energy, and I could spend more time making right. fun of Matt and his inability to to do basic <laughs> right. math, to do basic and calculations. S- and see, and that's the thing. You go back to the original part of the conversation. I can teach you that and make you run a faster forty yard dash, or I can teach you that, and you're going to save a lot of calories of energy, and you're going to save a lot of force going into your body. So, where most people get you know, to the point of the year where six months has gone by, eight months has gone by and like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to make it through this year. My knees hurt so bad. My back hurts. I might need surgery. I got to go out. I need a couple of days off, whatever. Or they get to 55 and they're like, I just, I can't do this job anymore. Yeah. Well, if you take it over the, you know, if you could save a thousand steps a day over the period of 10 years. I'm not doing that math in my head. (laughs) Right. That's my point. (laughs) Well, I think, well, like I said, I think it kind of hits home for me because my father was like that. He worked for the city and he had the same, same problems. Oh, I had knee problems, knee problems. And I think that's maybe now it's not, now I'm understanding it now and I'm applying to myself like, man, I really need to go and figure this out because like you said, I mean, I'm, I'm still in my thirties. I still got another 30 years of having yeah, work no doubt. and not, and not, and remember, Maybe that's, more. Just, that's just to retire. <laughs> that's just to retire. I, hopefully I, yeah. depending on how stupid, how many stupid things come back to bite me in my, in my seventies, I, you know, I still have another 40, 50 years after that. So yeah, I think it's, I think what you're talking about is really important. I think it's, I think it's something we should maybe look more into as safety professionals because you know, I guess that's like you said, I think we are on the same page. That's that's the whole point of us being here. Right. We're here to send people home better in a better condition than, you know, than they came in. Hopefully a little bit heavier wallets. And I think though, you know, the simplest way for me to describe it is I feel like in the industry we've been more reactive mm-hmm. than we've been preventative. Mm-hmm. You know, and it so then okay, well, we're reactive. So someone's back hurts. Okay, well, we need to we need to bring it's like creating laws right? It's the same thing. Like the law doesn't exist until somebody does something something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then someone goes, Oh, we probably shouldn't allow that to happen anymore. So they create a law. Well, I think it's kind of the same thing in the industry that someone hurts their back and they go, Oh my gosh, we can't have someone hurt their back like that anymore. So how did it happen? Oh, well, he was trying to pick something up or she was trying to pick something up. It didn't go very well and they hurt their back. Okay. So we need to bring someone in and show us how to do that. But we got to go back to the point that this isn't a cookie cutter thing, right? Human body is human body. Yes. But we all have different experiences and we all have different lives when we go home and at work and what happened to us growing up and so on and so forth. So we have different understandings of how to move. Right. So 
just coming in and giving you a cookie cutter course on how to squat, it's all well and good and it can be helpful. It might help a couple people. But it's not going to help the whole room. And that's where it comes down to is, you know, think about working out. You want to create a health culture, not just a safety culture, but a healthier culture in the business, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you have one person that works over here and they do Spartans every three months, <laughs> and then you have a person over here that's like, man, I, I have a hard time even just walking to my car. <clears throat> <laughs> a Spartan last year, dude. What are you talking about? So then you, you know, medal doesn't count, sir. <laughs> I got the medal. It He's was... got the medal. That's all that matters. He made it. Hey, but you know, you look at it and you go, okay, okay, everybody, let's have a healthy coach. Let's all work out together. It's not going to happen. No. There, there's so many different levels of people. You got insecurities. You got people that just don't feel like it. They don't have the energy to, right? Because their movement patterns are maybe less than. Stellar. what they could be right and so now all of a sudden they spend all their energy just getting through their workday the last thing they want to do is work out so how do we get them to the point where they feel more comfortable more confident and willing to go do something more active Man, so you're literally building it from the base up that's amazing honestly you know what this really reminds me of is our uh like two episodes ago when we talked about incident investigation and we said a lot of times we don't dig deep enough when root incidents cause. happen right root, yeah, cause, root analysis. cause analysis i think normally like you said, we dig that first 20 feet, we hit ergonomics. Mm -hmm. What he's talking about is going that extra 50 feet down extra to the bottom. 50 feet down and looking at everything. It, yeah, to prevent it from ever even getting up to that, that point. And that's why I really like what you do because you dig deeper than anybody that I've ever seen dig before when it comes to uh, how people move and how to prevent those types of injuries. Thanks. And I think it's like I'm really excited to keep trying this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And uh, from what I understand, you have your your own uh, proprietary you know program. Is that correct? It's called Base. Yeah, yeah, we're calling it Base. So it's biomechanics, active safety, and ergonomics. Oh, look at that! Like safety and ergonomics. Yeah. And he's already getting the acronyms down, dude. He's, going, he's entering the safety world. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> cool. So yeah, tell us a little bit about Base and and how you guys. Yeah, uh, it's uh, so my wife and I are doing it. Um, my wife is by trade a school psychologist and oh, a wow. BCB. How does, how does that how does that work she ever like she's like wow you know you're manifesting some of your childhood a little different than that she's a behavior so oh, she's even yeah. worse so yeah. her her specialty I, I is I behavior meet, i hope i never meet her <laughs> ah you'd love she, it she, she'd be like i need to meet this guy more <laughs> yeah no it's it's pretty cool so you know it's taking both worlds and that's the whole part of it right it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with you know the spartan versus the spartan person versus the person that has a hard time getting through the day well how do we get that to change is behavior change right yeah. but how do we get that psychology to change well if i start feeling less pain in my knees and less pain in my back and i have more energy at the end of the day i might make a decision to take a spin class once yeah. You know, I do that. And I'm like, hey, you know, I felt really good when mm -hmm. I did that. You know, you do that for a month or two and then you're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to go on a walk twice a week. Why yeah. not? I'm going to feel good. Right. This isn't going to happen overnight. And I think this is one of the issues that, you know, in our society now, everything's got to be so immediate. And so when we we do these things and, you know, bringing in different safety programs that come in, it everyone thinks that it needs to be immediate and it's just not going to happen that way. So. You know, like with my wife's background and behavior change, you know, we got to start looking at, well, what is it going to take? It's not going to happen overnight. And so if I can get somebody through the long haul of, you know, it might take a year, it might take two years. I don't know. It depends on the person. Right. Some people might take to it immediately. But ultimately, if we want to change a culture, we have to change behavior. And how do we change behavior? Well, then now we got to start talking about Jedi mind tricks and all those yeah. different things, right? Because we want people to conserve energy and feel better. And it goes back to what we talked about at the top of the show. 
we want people to go home and feel better. Yeah. If they go home and feel better, the psychology changes, yep. right? The endorphins change. Everything that's going on in the brain changes. And so now all of a sudden I am more willing to say, Hey, you know what? Hey, we're doing this company wide challenge. We're doing this company wide thing. You know what? Yeah. I might give it a shot. Yeah. And if I don't win, I'm not too upset about it because that lady over there does three Spartans a month and right. I'm, uh, yeah, it's fine. She can win. It's fine. But it's just being able to feel like you can contribute some. And that comes from the behavior change side of it. So from my, you know, more of the, the movement based stuff, the, you know, the, the, the neuro performance, side. the physical side, yeah. the kinesiology side to my wife's side of the psychology and the behavior change, you know, putting those two things together is, you know, it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. That sounds, like I said, I like how how we can have conserve energy and we can spend more time with our kids. And we probably, it probably will have a lot of long lasting effects, mm-hmm. you know, being able to spend time more with your kids and yeah. being able to do side projects. And, you know, I guess uh, that's one thing I'm, I'm kind of really big into as I call it, it's tra- called transcendence, but you know, you're able to do better than, you know, where you're at now Yeah, and give you that energy. And people are like, you know, maybe I could go and get a degree. Maybe I could go and spend right. more time with family. Absolutely. And I'd like, I like that. That's really interesting. Yeah. And it's, it's been really cool. I mean, you even for myself, you know, I was, it, I think I retired from track and field when I was 30, I think I was 31. I was training for the decathlon. I don't know if you know what that is or not, mm-hmm. but um, most people think it's, they think it's the bike, the swim and the, the run. And the triathlon, right? That's the a triathlon. triathlon. Now the decathlon's on the track. So you're running the hurdles and pole vaulting and high yeah. jumping, all that good stuff. And it's a lot of fun, but I turned 41 in two weeks. And I feel better now physically than I did when I was training. And it's, and a lot of it's because, you know, I'm practicing what I'm preaching. I'm doing these drills three, four times a day and I'm moving around. I'm really conscious of my posture and how I'm walking around and, you know, all of those things, the type of shoes I wear from the type of food that I eat, how do I hydrate myself, which I'm sure we'll get into here soon. Yeah. You know, that's all part of it. And when you start taking care of the tool, things work a little bit better. You yeah, know? I mean, that works. Um, that pretty much works in every aspect like you talk about, you yep. know, from the foreman's, if they're not using the proper tool or if it's not sharp and it's not maintained well, guess what? Boom. Yep. Same thing with safety programs, right? If we let our, uh, you know, our accident investigations go, or if we mm-hmm. let, you know, our culture go, our leadership, I think that's one of the biggest ones too is leadership. If we our leadership go, yeah. everything else kind of goes to the wayside. Yep. So you, you talked a little bit about hydration. So yep. obviously here in Bakersfield, it's going to be 10,000 degrees here in about <laughs> a couple more months, yeah. not, not yeah, too much yeah, longer, yeah. but t- let us know about hydration. Cause I know as an EMT, I always, unfortunately there's things that we do as, as safety professionals, we tell people to hydrate, mm-hmm. but let's be honest. A lot of these guys, are they hydrating? Yeah. After one, two, or sometimes even three, I've, I've, I know a guy that had five, five energy drinks in a day. Oh, Right. And you, you can imagine you know, what that's going to do to your body. And yeah, he, he had early diabetes. How does he not and, have heart problems? Already? Well, actually he, he, right. when it happened, he had a little, a little bit of diabetes scare and his doctor's like, yeah, you need to stop that. Yeah. But, and here's the thing, you know, that and we won't get too deep into this because anyway. We love rabbit you, holes. You know, when, when we start talking about energy drinks, you know, and we get the zero sugar thing. Okay. Yes. There's no sugar. Right. But there's natural flavors, quote unquote. Right. Right. And there's fake sugar, right. Chemically created. Mm-hmm. That's a substitute for sugar. Right. Okay. So our brain doesn't understand that it's real sugar or fake sugar. Right. So yes, it says it from a caloric standpoint or from a sugar intake 
situation. But when we're talking about some of these energy drinks that have 30, 40 grams of sugar or what should be considered sugar, right. our body's not able to process those things. Right. They taste so good. Of course they do. <laughs> right. But okay. So just like anything else, you know, like the studies they've done of sugar being more addictive than cocaine. Mm. You know, Wait, when did, when did you start I eating said, sugar? I meant, I meant sugar. I sent them to sugar. <laughs> so when you think about hydration, you know, okay. What were we all told coming up, you know, drink a gallon of water a day. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. So, but yeah, and we half can't. Half a Gatorade is what I was told. Right. Half a Gatorade with water. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, uh, yeah. what, no, what is it? It's like, Two two Gatorades to one or two waters to one Gatorade. Two waters to one Gatorade. So yeah. there's always been some weird mixtures I've been told. And, yeah. So you think about like, let's just go back in time a little bit. And, you know, a lot of times stuff like this, we need to kind of think back to, you know, how did we get to where we are in history, right? I mean, how did we survive as a species all this time without a gallon without of water Gatorade. a day and without uh, Gatorade and yeah, with all we that had, stuff, right? Didn't the uh, ancient Mesopotamians have Gatorade? I think they... <laughs> I, think, I think they're the ones that invented they're inv- it. They invented yeah. Gatorade. Yeah. So you look at it from that standpoint, you go, okay, so what's going on? Well, it was impossible. You didn't have access to that kind of water, right? right? That much volume of water. Well, even now when we drink water, it's filtered out. Everything's Mm. filtered out. So back then, you know, if you go back 100, 200, 300,000, 2000 years, there was trace minerals and naturally occurring salt in water that they had. Mm Mm-hmm. So, okay. So when we're sitting here and we're sitting talking or you're at work and you're working on some, even if it's, you're at the desk doing some writing a report, you're still perspiring. Yeah. Okay. So we got to replace what we lose. Right. So if I'm constantly perspiring through the day, which is, which we are, I mean, give yourself a chance out there. Don't wear deodorant for a day and see what happens by 10 o'clock. You're going to go, uh Oh, (laughs) but I haven't done anything. I don't know if it's going to be that, that late in the day. (laughs) I'm pretty sure by like eight o'clock in the morning, I'm like, Oh geez. Right. So that's what I'm saying is, you know, we've got to do something, right. Where are we going to get our hydration from? Where are we going to get these trace minerals and these naturally occurring salts from? Well, one thing we got to start thinking about is we've got to get some of the hydration that we're putting into our system through our food. Yeah. Okay. So how do I get hydration from my food? Well, I got to eat stuff that comes from the earth that grew from the earth that grew that from water. water in it. Yep. Right. And from soil. And that's where we get those trace minerals. So wait, quick salts. question is donut, do donuts, donuts <laughs> grow so naturally? Hold on, I got this right. Donuts, right They They come from <laughs> probably like wheat or something. Wait, wheat, wheat, wheat is from the dirt. Oh yeah. Boom. There. Cause you know what I'm saying? Guys, we love donuts. Out. Okay, good. Cause, <laughs> I'm I'm like Homer Simpson. I like, I like the pink one, pink oh, donut for me. With the frosting, I like maple yes, bars. Yes, sir. Wait, maple oh, bars are good too. Yeah. So no, so is that a no? No naturally occurring donuts. You know, not that I've, I've never seen a donut plant before, but <laughs> I mean, if may, I can grow it, one, it, I'd be making millions. Uh, you billions. would, oh my, billions! I think that'd be billions. Put Duncan out of business. <laughs> <laughs> I have a donut tree. Oh, yeah, I mean goodness. that makes, and that's that's one thing I've learned myself is uh, when I was trying to lose weight, I I've just replaced everything that I eat, all the crap. I replace it with fruit mm-hmm. and I've learned, I've noticed that my hydration is a lot better because I'm eating apples and oranges and, and all the carrots fruits. and spinach and carrots. you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's just, it's really just thinking about what you're putting into your system yeah, and how am I getting hydrated? And just, you know, if you're having to drink that many energy drinks, that's telling you that, I mean, that's, that's something that's the brain telling you like, Hey bro, I need to wake up a little bit. I'm I'm so tired, you know, and, but we look at it as I have this craving. Well, if you're having cravings like that, that means again, that's your brain telling you, I don't have enough nutrients. I don't have enough stuff going in. I need something. And our first reaction is, well, what are we addicted to? We're addicted to the sugar and the taste and everything else. So Mm -hmm. we go grab that, you know, and instead 
if you know, it goes back to the behavior change that my wife Callie and I talk about constantly is if I could wake up in the morning or backtrack, make something the night before, before I go to bed, what's the biggest excuse for people not drinking or sorry, not eating breakfast? They didn't have time no, in the morning. They didn't have time. Yes, yeah, my wife's biggest excuse. I'm like, dude, you, I leave before you do. Right. Make her breakfast then. Ooh. Thank God she doesn't listen to this Ooh. podcast. Ooh. Gotcha. <laughs> sir, but, sir the, the cereal would get soggy by the time she woke up. <laughs> uh, sorry, Ryan. Go ahead. Uh, no, it's all good. But it's, you know, it's about prepping, really. And it, I'm not saying meal prep for the whole week because that's a hard thing to it do. Is. I hate but if you could do something the night before and just have something waiting for you in the next morning, there's a bunch of different Ooh, things that you could do. Overnight oats. Overnight oats are a great I love, option. I love them. 100%. Matt doesn't even know what that is. He's like, what? You mean oatmeal or? <laughs> kind of. It's so okay, sir. Think about, okay, so, you know, the the trendy way to do it is go get some mason jars, which, well, let's be real, not everybody needs to go buy mason jars. You Why ever, not? I got a bunch of them. It's I called, have a hipster bun, so we're ready Dude, to go. It's called yeah. spaghetti jars or applesauce jars or yeah. salsa jars or whatever. It's glass. Keep it. You can use it, mm-hmm. right? Don't throw it away. Use it. So anyway, take the same measurement. So, you know, cup of water, half a cup of oatmeal or whatever two cups of water cup mm-hmm. of oatmeal throw it in there shake it up if you want to throw some berries in there mm, some honey the in there uh, some peanut almonds, butter in there yeah. or whatever just put it in the fridge before you go Pour to a bed bit of monster in there when, <laughs> when you wake up the oats have soaked up the water and you essentially have cold cereal but in a healthy version yeah it's, see. it's really good it's pretty it's simple they actually sell, they sell like is little it as kids. good as like oh, lucky Lord. charms i doubt it sir i mean yeah. you know if you throw in some of the berries and I'm the cinnamon and i'm the, surprised they don't have like a monster energy drink cereal at this point they probably they have uh, they have all the other kind of greases they're probably and, working on it yeah i'm sure like and i'm sure it's gonna <laughs> explode which is like mountain dew Okay, so I, I have a question. I want to hear your thoughts on this, and this is going to be very controversial. It's but right. the whole um, uh, alkali, alkali water. Alkaline water? Yeah, because mm-hmm. I know I had a couple people, and they were like, oh, yeah, alkali water is so much better for you, and blah, 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 blah. And I've been taught about you know homeostasis and all this other stuff, and I, I understand they have the minerals, but, I mean, there's regular water that has minerals in it as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this talk about a rabbit hole. I mean, we could talk about all of these different versions of water. Um, but the simple truth is, you know, if you, if you take the water, whatever water you're drinking and for example, like Matt and I've talked about this, you know, like, uh, I hear in town, you have cones, health foods, right? Oh yeah. Okay. So they sell something called Endure. Ooh. And what Endure is, is just natural trace minerals and seawater. Hmm. And you put a couple drops in your water, bang, bang, bang. Every cup of water that you have, this has it in it right here. My cup of water has it in it. And now all of a sudden I am drinking water that has naturally occurring hydration in it. Nice. Okay. So what is electrolytes? What are we being sold on with Gatorade? It's supposed Sugar to have water. mineral. I mean, the, that's what that when I say, when you say electrolytes, I think minerals, salt, yeah, sodium, like right? right? Sodium. Yeah. sodium. Okay. So, but if you actually look at the bottle, yes, there are some, but there's way more sugar because oh, yeah. it's, you know, it's like more sugar than water. <laughs> that's the first ingredient on the list. You know, sugar. so sugar, right. Well, we looked at, remember we looked up the one Swinter. that you guys use and it, the first ingredient was high fructose corn yeah. syrup. Switchers. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So now we start talking about energy and all that. We can't just talk about physical energy. We got to talk about internal energy. Mm-hmm. 
So if I'm taking squishers and I'm eating pizza and, you know, whatever else that I'm eating during the day and I'm not eating all that well, and I didn't have a good breakfast. And for breakfast, I had, you know, something, you know, a cup of coffee or a monster or something like that and a muffin. And then by 8 a.m., 10 a.m., I'm putting a squisher down and maybe a bag of chips or something like that on my break. So you got to think about what's happening in the body because what did I just put into my system? So now let's break it down. We go back, let's go backwards and let's dig down 50 feet. Okay. So what time did you eat? Let's just use you guys. What did you eat? What time did you eat dinner last night? Five o'clock. Okay. What time did you go to bed? 8.30. Between 8.30, I'm jealous. Between 8.30 and five, what did you eat? Anything? Uh, can I, can I uh, just give me a time? You don't have to tell me what, uh, six, seven, seven thirty. You ate okay. between the uh, things at all those times. Yeah. He's, he snacked. I, okay. I ate a lot. Okay. So let's say I worked seven, out yesterday and my body was like, I need, I need more calories. I'm like, I can't help myself. So seven thirty was the last time you ate something ish. Yeah. I'm going to say the word ish. Cause I'm pretty sure I probably had a bowl of cereal at eight o'clock. Okay. We'll use eight. Fine. <laughs> yeah. I was probably not very good. What time did you wake up this morning? Uh, this morning it was about three o'clock in the morning. And what time did, did you eat something at three? Mm, I had a glass of orange juice. Okay. And then what was the first meal you had? My first meal of the day I had, I'm trying to remember. Just give me a time. It was like, me. like five thirty-six. Okay. So five thirty-six o'clock. Yeah. Okay. And then after that, what time did you eat? Five thirty-six. Let's work our way to lunch. Let's say <laughs> I got... Food. I've been snacking throughout the day, so probably like, like eight, nine. Mm-hmm. How like significant was it? Are we talking about like, like every thirty minutes? Like I know, but are we talking about like a handful of almonds? Or are we no, about like food? A, I got like an apple. I had okay. uh, some chips. I had. I'm trying to think of everything I ate today. I know. I know it was gonna be. I know. I didn't expect any type of. <laughs> well, here, think of, so now think of this. So when you when last thing you ate was at eight, you woke up at three and you didn't really eat anything until almost six. You were awake for three hours. Yeah. Okay. So, but last thing you ate was eight. It takes a lot of energy to sleep and sleep well because we got to repair ourselves when we sleep, yeah. right? Okay. So if the last thing I ate was at eight o'clock and I didn't eat again until six o'clock, that's a ten hour swing mm-hmm. of nothing no caloric input, but I've been awake for three of those 10 hours. So now we got to start thinking about energy and production and all of these things. And so when we wonder why that two o'clock feeling happens or why, you know, I can go down a list of these things. Right. Why? Well, you you can't just look at that day. You got to look at the day before and the day before and the day before, maybe the weekend, what you do on the weekend. And then we got to start thinking about, you know, okay, we're, we're all grownups here when we start talking about alcohol consumption and things like that on the Mm -hmm. weekends. Right. So you had a tough week. So on Friday, you're like, Hey, we're going out. Margaritaville. Sure. And you don't even get drunk. You just get a little tipsy. It takes the body seven to 10 days to recover from that alone. Oh, wow. So now you got to start, you know, this is all stuff we talk about with athletes all the time that if you want to be in peak performance, there's some key things that you probably shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Alcohol consumption for for sure is one of them. Right. So, you know, you start thinking about it from a work standpoint of, you know, if you're going to have a couple drinks here and there, okay, that's one thing. Or, you know, if you happen to do it once every couple months, okay, that's one thing. But when it's a constant thing, yeah, Friday or Saturday night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, come back to work on Monday, you're constantly in backup mode and in recovery mode that you're never going to catch up from. And then on top of it, you didn't eat for 10 hours. Right. So, I mean, we can go 
go through these lists of things. And then it's like, okay, now we've talked about all this philosophical stuff about timing. And, you know, then you can talk about the circadian rhythm of the brains and mm-hmm. all these kind of things. Okay. But now we can start talking about quality of food because what's the point of talking about quality of food? If we haven't even talked about the other part of it of when and how and why. Right. Right. So I can tell you to go eat vegetables and stop eating so much in and out and all those kind of things. But oh. ultimately four by four, we start talking about, I know we're right down the street. Yeah, we're dying on the street. And you, you want to go after you guys? <laughs> I'll get it. Lettuce wrap. That way it's healthy. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there yeah. we go. Yeah. Lettuce wrap. Cause you know, yeah. four slices of meat and four, four patties yeah, or four, four patties and four healthy. cheese. Yeah. Yep. Super healthy. With, super with lettuce. healthy. With all that cheese. Yeah. Mm. But anyway, you know, you get to this point of, you know, it goes back to the same idea that we're talking about with safety is that we talk about how to bend over and do it correctly, but we don't talk about the about setup the of the joints issue. and the muscles and it's the, the posture thing. and everything else. Digging deeper. It's the same, same thing with thing. the food, right? I can tell you to eat better, but what does that actually mean? If you don't understand the real reason why, you're never going to change. Gonna change yeah. yeah. You don't see the value in it. Right. So when you start thinking about it in a different way of what and when, really the when first and then the what, now it's all going, oh my, yeah. I didn't eat breakfast, you know, because this guy you're be a probably a safety professional, <laughs> safety engineer. Actually, I mean, you, you're I'm probably, gonna I'm going to say engineer because at that level, he's, he's talking engineering. You're body, engineering. He's engineering. The, I'm a the, physical engineer. Yeah. You know, so that's two <laughs> engineers in this office. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Matt. But you know, you're probably more of an anomaly that you're, you're actually being more consistent with your food and how often you're eating it. But you know, majority yeah, of people are not eating breakfast and they're not eating anything until they have a bag of chips at 10 and then yep. they hardly eat lunch. And then by two and o'clock, they wonder they're just, why their, why their life is all crummy. It's like, well, cause look at your lifestyle. And it's hard. No, I mean, it's, 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 it is. It is hard. I know a lot of people like my wife, she struggles with it. And, you know, and now most I think, people do. And now I think I have a better idea of like how I can help her by educating her. Like, see, this is the reason why. Oh, because you're not eating until 11 o'clock at night or mm-hmm. in, the, in the morning. Right. You don't have breakfast. Well, mm-hmm. well, technically you can't skip breakfast, right? It's the first meal of the day. And I think, you know, and the, you know, the reason that the old adage of, you know, breakfast is the biggest meal of the day. Well, what we need to understand is sleeping is like working out. Yeah. It is that stressful on the internal part of the body, not the exterior. Obviously, I'm not sore from sleeping, but what happens inside is very, 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 very stressful from the interior part of the body, from the organs, because it's repairing stuff and the brain is just going it's cleanup going, mode. Boom, boom, boom. Bang, 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 and that takes energy. So to have a really deep sleep means that we're recovering. And if I'm in a deep sleep, I had to have the energy to get into that deep sleep, yeah. right? So then we start talking about, you know, phones and blue lights. And we were talking yeah. about that. That's a whole other thing. That's we a get whole into. other subject. Maybe we'll, 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 we'll bring thing. it back. Yeah, we'll bring <laughs> it back for, for blue light. Yeah. Call it, we'll call it the Kmart, right? That's blue light special. The last thing, if we could, uh, if we could finish up the last subject, cause I yeah. feel like you kind of, we started at the feet. I like the yeah. way this whole thing worked out. We started at the feet. We kind of worked our way up. We talked yeah. about using yeah. the core, talking about the that. bed, and I'm talking about the mind. The last thing, if you could quickly talk about the mind, because I love the way you you break it down to the guys when you came out there and you talked to us is, uh, you, you'll be able to explain it better. But like everything we do is building those neural pathways to be stronger, so that mm-hmm. you don't have to think about doing those same things over and over after a while. It's kind of right. it's almost like a habit, right? It's something like that. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're constantly trying to drill down movement pattern, mm-hmm. right? And so you know, the, the better communication that I have from toe to brain and back down to toe, that's ultimately what's going to change my movement pattern. 
right? And so when, you know, if I'm trying to knock something off, right, let's say I've got something that's tightened up and I've got to bend over and bang it on the ground to get something to fall off, but I'm just bending over and then I'm just using my shoulders to do it instead of using a compound movement, sorry, with joints. No, that's my watch, man. Sorry. I'm always on, man. What can I say? (laughs) But, you know, you, you start thinking about if, if I don't have those, those movements set up, if, if I'm not constantly practicing these things, because it goes back to anything else. Yeah, everything. Use it or lose it. Typing, walking, doing, you know, whatever you're doing on the line or, or whatever, driving, getting out of the truck, getting in the truck. So, I mean, go on, we can talk about a million different examples. Mm-hmm. But if you're not practicing to be better at those things, those things that we take for granted all the time, those things are going to go away and they're going to be inefficient. And then that's where the carpal tunnel comes in from typing incorrectly because we're not thinking about it, We're just typing. All right. You know, we're not thinking about the, the 50 feet underneath. We're thinking yeah. about the base of it. You know, we need to we need to take this whole situation and really think about the pattern, how the brain works, how the brain functions. Then all of a sudden I can go into it because you think about stress, right? So if I go into a stressful situation and that can, I mean, everything is stress. Everything that we do is stress. Just different levels. We just have to define what stress means because some stress is really good stress. But what we've got to understand that when it comes down to it, your brain and your body will only do what you've trained it to do. So if there's something going on inside my job that day that I've got to get done right now, I am only going to move as well as I've trained myself to do. And that is when injuries occur. That is when it happens. Yeah, that's when you have the the life altering injuries or right or the near miss or, or the near whatever recordables, right. workers comp, and all that other right. stuff. It really comes down to that. And so, if I constantly am, and if I'm conscious of it, if I'm conscious of what I'm doing on a continual basis, when it comes to the stress moment, I don't have to react in an inefficient way because I know how to react because my brain just goes into that mode of efficiency because I know how. Right. And that's when you start talking about the upper echelon athletes, you know, the people that that are listening to this, you know, we're talking the Michael Jordans. Yeah. We're talking about the Joe Montana's, the Jerry Rice's. I can go on and on. Are they and almost on, explain right? it like getting into the zone? It's in the like zone that, yeah. because what happens is if if I've if I've done the extra work, right? If I've if I've spent the Michael Jordan time of getting up at 3 a.m. and going to the court and yeah, practicing shooting. everything perfectly and then going and working out and training the tool and then going back at, you know, all those things. Now, all of a sudden, when I, when I go into those situations, I don't have to worry about that part of it. So there is, there's, there's no high anxiety at that point. Yeah. And that was one of the things like Mike, or um, sorry, Joe Montana that they talk about that was one of the most amazing things about him that he'd walk into, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen that highlight. Yeah. 30 in the, 30. Probably. Yeah. It was one of yeah, the Super Bowls against the, the, the Bengals. Yeah. And they, you know, there's like a minute and a half left. They're driving, they're down and he walks into the huddle the TV timeout. He goes, Hey guys, you see John Candy sitting right over there. And everyone kind of looks around and goes, what the heck? This guy's talking about John Candy. We're trying to win a Super Bowl." And it calmed everybody down and it got everybody to do their job. Yeah. And so that's what it comes down to is, you know, the better that we practice these things, the better that our brain understands our movements. Now we don't have to be in such a high anxiety situation and yeah. things can be in the zone and they can slow down you so that I can picture. concentrate on what I'm doing and not be like, bing and knock it over, yeah. you know? Well, that's really interesting. I think I think you have given us a lot, a lot to think about. How could we how could we contact you yeah. if we want to borrow your services? 
Man, yeah, uh, well, I can give you my cell phone number. He already has that. But from a from the the safety standpoint, we've created a set your base. It's kind of an easy way to think about oh, it, right? So that. you know, we we come out and you know, one basic description of what we've already done uh, that we did with Matt is I actually a, a colleague of mine and I from from A three went out and went on site and videoed them. So then what we did is we took those videos and we created like we were training an Olympic sprinter. And said, okay, look at this angle and look at this angle and look at your back and look at your hips, look at your knees, look at your ankles. And we actually drew it out and and did a presentation on it of, you know, taking it down to the biomechanics of movement and explaining it step by step by step. And so that's where, you know, the, the biomechanics and the acts of safety come to play together, because if you're not seeing it, you're not understanding it. So right. if I was just some company that comes in and tells you how to squat better, that's all well and good. But if you don't see yourself doing it. It's not going to be as effective. You're not going to have the value. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so that's the point. So anyway, set the base would be like, hey, hey, man, you're slouching up top a little bit. Set your base. And they're like, what? Oh, yeah, the cervical spine. That's right. I need to do this. Okay, cool. Right. So anyway, it's setyourbase.com. Okay. Setyourbase.com. Uh, setyourbase.com. Okay, so got the website for it. Oh, yeah. Setyourbase.com. Yep, yep, yep. Setyourbase.com. And uh, you'll get a brief description of what's going on there. Uh, you can email me, ryan at setyourbase.com. There you go. Awesome. R-Y-A-N. And, and then you still uh, have your, I mean, you still have a really cool local gym. A3, we do. Right? Yeah. And that's kind of, that's, that's the cool thing from a local standpoint is we've got a 13,000 square foot facility that is a performance center. Ooh. So, you know, whether you're training for the NFL combine or just training to make sure you don't get hurt at work. What if I'm trying to lift donuts to my mouth? Oh more my gosh. Don't listen to this guy. Let's. <laughs> No, hey, we go back to behavior change, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you start working out more. You may not want to put that donut I in your mouth. Actually work, actually work out quite a bit. I just, I just like, I like donuts. You like donuts. I wish I could eat them out. as much as I want to. No, I, ha I may have one like maybe once a month, if that. But I just like donuts. Who doesn't like donuts? Right, they're delicious. You just yeah. have to. Donuts not just eat don't them. like me. Well, like I said, uh, I think we're pressed for time, but we really cool. do appreciate you coming in. I mean, it's it's astounding. You have oh, a lot you. of knowledge, and I think I think we're gonna have you come back for sure Sweet. if you're if you're cool with it. No, yeah, absolutely, it's fun. So much information that we can so talk much about. information, and, and you know, let our listeners listeners call give us a, a ring at thecultureofsafety at gmail .com. Let us know what you think. Give us some input, and like I said, you know, Ryan's here. If you guys ever have questions, you guys want more knowledge, give him a ring. Yeah, absolutely. Or come by and see us at a three. A3, Perfect. there you go. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, right. thank you, guys. You guys have a, a safe week out there. Yeah, you too. Bye.